We are The Table, and we are so glad you are taking time from your busy schedule to listen to this message. It is our hope that during the course of this message, you are inspired to move forward in life and faith. We welcome you and thank you again for joining us. The Lord to have a move in this place. And if I were you, I would take heed to that. This morning in my time with the Lord, I heard him keep saying to me and to remind you all, in our time that we have together, focus on him. We're not a church that has like four-hour services or anything, so it shouldn't be that hard. But I heard the Holy Spirit say today to just focus. If, there, if your mind begins to stray to what your evening plans are, just say, Jesus, help me to focus. If you start thinking about how tired you are or what's waiting on you Monday morning, I challenge you today to just say, Jesus, help me focus. And I promise you, if you do that today, that he will speak to you and open your, the eyes of your heart. He has something just for you today, amen? So that's my personal challenge to you. Clear your mind. Don't worry about what happened this morning. Don't worry about what happened yesterday. Don't worry about what you think might happen next week. While we're together, just focus on him. Can you do that? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. This day belongs to you, and you have gifted us the opportunity to see it. Today is special because we'll never see it again. We get one shot at it. Let us make the best of it. You are God and a God all by yourself. And today we come before you with an expectation, an expectation that you will not just meet, but exceed. We honor you, we glorify you, and we love you. Have your way in this time. Bless your humble servant as I stand before your sons and daughters and give what you've given to me. May you be blessed and glorified in this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated, amen. You know, it's interesting when we start worship, I sit right there and I, I know I'm personally, I'm not a good singer, but I sound good to me. <laughs> but there's something about when you have authentic time of worship and you allow yourself, yourself to just praise the Lord, it is the most beautiful sound. And I sit there and I just hear all of this harmony. I hear all of this, just this glory of the Lord. And I just want to tell you, if you're ever self-conscious about glorifying God, singing out, worshiping, if you're ever self-conscious about that, don't be. Because if you do that in spirit and truth, it is such an amazing sound to the Lord. So each and every day, do so. Each and every day, sing out. Give God his due. Give God your praises. 
Today is a good day. You guys sound good. Check. <laughs> Y'all look good. Check. And I got, I got some good news. Actually, two good newses. <laughs> I got two good newses. The first one is, I have been named the new defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. At least that's how I feel. <laughs> it's the last time I'll have on this shirt. <laughs> but I'll enjoy the day, man. The real good news that I have for you is about Jesus. The real good news I have for you is about God, the creator of all things. The real good news I have for you today is about the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to jump right in, and I am going to share our sermon today entitled, Game On. Game On. Like, obviously, today is the big game. I love how this works, because we're not allowed to say, you know what we're not allowed to say. The large, bowl, super we're not allowed to say that because that's copywritten. So we say it's big game day. So today is the big game. Who are you guys cheering for? So we got, we, we got, okay, all right. We got the lions. Eh. We got commercials. Good. Halftime show. Anybody? How many of you are cheering for or against Taylor Swift? You know, <laughs> whoever you're cheering for, because most of us, let's just be honest, our teams aren't in it. The Browns next year, though. Next year, Browns, let's go. Sarah, don't look at me like that. They got just as much chance as the Lions, so you just. <laughs> but the interesting thing about the big game, I always think it's interesting because they, they do this. It's two weeks leading up to the game, and they do these interviews with the players, and they're like, are you ready for the game? And they're, like, they're, they're asking them all these what I think are just silly questions because the, the, the players always say things like, like there's nothing you can say that's going to get me ready for the game that hasn't already been said or hasn't already been done. It's the Super Bowl for crying out loud. Like, how do I need to get prepared for that? I've worked my whole life to get there. I've tried, since I was a little boy, I had dreams about being there. All those practices, all that running, all the weightlifting, all of that, I've waited for this day. And most of them simply approach it by, look, it's here now, game on. Game on, that just means I'm ready. Let's do this. It is time to go, and it is time for us to go do the thing that I was created to do. Because most professionals, athletes will tell you, like, this is the thing that I do. Like, I was picked for this. This is what I'm here for. I'm an elite athlete, and I'm here for a time such as this. But can I tell you today that God also has a team? God has a team. Did you know that? 
and it's not the Dallas Cowboys. And it clearly is not the Chicago Bears. Many would argue just the polar opposite. God must really have it out for the Bears. But God has a team, but it's up to him that makes you stand out. He sets you apart for the position that he wants you to play. So today, we're going to look in the Bible. We're going to see what happens when one man is set apart by God for God's use. So I'm going to take you to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, and I have eight verses for you. Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8. Do me a favor, just stand as we read the Word of God. It's football Sunday. We're going to do some calisthenics today. All right, up, down, up, down. There we go. And the scripture reads, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings that covered their faces, and two that covered their feet, and two that were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds, they shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your, son, your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. You may be seated. This is the reading of the word of God in which the prophet Isaiah is giving us a picture and some great imagery of a vision that he had and this experience that he had with God. He says that he saw the real God and he knew it was God because of his position, because of his seat. He said he knew it was God because of the gloriousness of his garments. He spoke of heavenly creatures that were surrounded, surrounding God, and they worshiped God, but they could not look directly at God. Isaiah says that the praises for God were so powerful, and there, there was such a movement of God that there was smoke in the room. It was visible. He could see it, and the, and the walls were shaking, and the doorposts were shaking as they declared, holy, holy, Holy Lord. The smoke, the, the purity of God's glory filled the room. Isaiah says that his uncleanliness and his undeservingness was exposed in God's presence. 
He found himself in the presence of God and all this glory going on, but there was a moment that he felt like, I am undeserving and I am unclean, and he felt doom as if to be in the presence of the Lord is going to require me to realize I'm unworthy to be here. He continues to say that the touch of his glory, the seraphim came and put the coal on his lips, and it was then that his guilt was removed and his sins were forgiven. He was purified and he became righteous. And the glory took away that feeling of unworthiness. And it was only after this experience did Isaiah realize that he could represent God and actually carry out what he had been called to do. See, God has a team that he sets apart from everyone to be used for his purpose. But first, we need to see God in his perfection. So it is revealed to us how far away we are and how much we need him. See, I think when it comes to living this faith walk, I think I got it down pretty, pretty good. I think I do. Like, I know right from wrong. Like, I think if you put two things in front of me and said, which one is godly and which one is not, I'm pretty sure I could pick it out. You? That's not a trick question. (laughs) I think most of the time, we see things and we know the difference between what is godly and what is not. But if we're realistic, though, sometimes it's still hard to make the right decision. If you guys remember, I think it's been months, but I've told you guys about my Aunt Irene. And Aunt Irene used to drive us very crazy in the family because no matter what you said to her, no matter what you asked her, her response was, who remembers? It's super great. That's what she would say. How are you? I'm super great, super great, super great. How's the weather? Super great. Like you could, I would ask her random questions just to see if she would still reply. It's super great. And she did. But if I'm honest, even as a pastor, I have my days where I observe other people. And I observe other leaders. And I observe other pastors. And I think, man, what do they know that I don't know? What do they have that I don't have? Because I see God moving in different ways. And I know we shouldn't compare. And I know God made us unique, unique and wonderful. I know that. But the human in me sometimes looks at other people and other people's relationship with God. And I'm sometimes challenged by what it is that they're seeing or doing that maybe I'm not. Have you ever been in a position where you look and you see, you say, look, I'm on my faith walk and I struggle every day, but you look at somebody else and you think, man, they got it all figured out. They don't have any other problems that I have. They don't struggle with any other things that I struggle with. They, they, they pray good. Listen to them pray. Whoa, wait, I could never come up with all those words. 
When they worship, they just seem so free and it's so emotional and it's so deep and there's like this response. And I'm standing there thinking, man, why are they closer? Like, what is, uh, there's something off, there's something wrong about me. And I think sometimes we default to say, you know what? Uh, God knows my heart. I'm not perfect. And although we are not perfect, I think it is critically important to realize that God can make a move and a change in our life that will change everything if we let him. We have to be willing to let God change us in every way. But you got to be, you have to want that. Because if you settle and say that, well, this is this person or this thing is closer than I am, but I'm okay with that. That's one thing. But when you invite the Lord to move in you and around you in his fullness, then there are things that have to change. See, God, through this vision of the prophet Isaiah, he gives this picture of understanding his holiness. This is why Isaiah is explaining it this way. This is why it sounds this way, because it's like trying to put words to something you can't even imagine. Have you ever had something that's so good, that's so unbelievable, like the words, just like you can't even put the right words on it because it's that good. So Isaiah is, is telling about, he's telling this, this encounter that he's having and this experience that he's having so that, so that we can try to wrap our brains around what is happening as the Lord is setting him apart for something special. So in this day, the king, King Uzziah, was the king of Judah, and he had just died. See, Judah, like many of us, as long as we're around people who are godly, as long as we're around people who are sold out for God, sometimes that's enough for us. Sometimes when we have a leader that's sold out or a parent or a grandparent that's sold out for God, that's enough for us. And we go around not having a personal enough relationship, not having our own Jesus encounters, not being taken over fully, and we're just there as like a sidekick to the one who's really all in. So in this time, King Uzziah, who he, was, he had a good army, they were strong, they were powerful, they didn't have to worry as long as he was in reign, Assyria wasn't going to attack them, they were comfortable, and then he died. And after he died, here's the rude awakening that we all get hit with. Oh man, I depended on man for my safety. I depended on a person to get me through. I depended on a connection between someone else to get to God. And so naturally, the question becomes, once, he's, once he dies, who is going to lead this nation? And here is the prophet Isaiah, who now has this encounter with God. He has this vision, and the main thing that he's trying to get them to understand is God is providing them an answer through Isaiah that Judah needs to focus on their relationship with God. 
He's trying to get them to understand that Judah, simply put, they needed God. How so? Well, in his dream, there were two things, there are two things that are happening. Isaiah is sitting here and he's saying, look, I'm in the presence of God. I'm in the glory of God and I'm seeing all these things happen and that's where I want to be. But he has this feeling of unworthiness as he approaches the glory of God. See, there's both instruction here and there's a warning. The instruction is the same then as it is now. We need to get right with God. That's instruction number one. But the warning is, unless we understand God in his fullness and his completeness, we will run away from God as we get exposed. I mean, after all, who wants to be exposed? Because there's something about somebody and something that's pure. There's a reason why if you're filthy and covered in Dirt. You're not just going to get in a pool of water and get out and everybody can see how dirty you were. See, this is what it's like when we come into the presence of God. There is some exposure that happens. There is, there is some revelation that takes place because when you go into a holy place, what you soon realize is just how unholy you are. When you go to somewhere that's super clean, I know you've been to some places, maybe you think your house is real clean. And then you go visit somebody else. And you say, ooh. Or because you would never admit that because that'll expose you. Let's flip it around. You've been yelling at your kids to clean your house because it's so dirty. And then you visit somebody else's house. And you say, they are living like pigs. <laughs> because you only see and get exposed to cleanliness once you have something to compare it to. And when we get in the presence of God, we have to understand that this is what happens. This is what Judah is going through. They've had many opportunities to follow God. And so have you and I. And guess what? We miss it. Every opportunity we have, at least every once in a while, despite us knowing what we should do, we don't. And we miss it. I'm reminded in 2 Kings chapter 24, under the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Judah, again, having the opportunity, they miss the lessons that we often fail to take heed to. They did what we do. We fail to recognize we need to trust God over man. That we need to repent and change our ways. And that we need to fear God and refuse sin. Isaiah gives us this depiction of, of, of entering and, and being in the presence of God. He's, he's seeing it, and, he, and it's, I mean, and it is like deep, deep. Like, it is really, really, really deep what he's describing. And it's a little bit weird, if, if we're honest. 
It's a little bit weird because the words that he's using, the examples that he's giving, is pretty intense for this experience. He goes on and he says that this, he's in this place. Things are shifting. He can see the glory of the Lord. He senses the glory of the Lord. He says that he sees these heavenly creatures called seraphim. Many people, you might have recently seen these images of people questioning, well, look at this. This doesn't look like what an angel looks like. But if you read the Bible, there are many depictions of what angels are and where angels reside and et cetera, et cetera. What Isaiah is saying is that he is in this heavenly place with God. And there's this creature that has three sets of wings. The Bible records that a seraphim is, is not just an angel, but it is an angel that never comes to earth. It only dwells in the high place, in the heavenly place with God. Isaiah says, I see it, and it has these three sets of wings, and one of the sets of wings covers its eyes. Because even an angel in the presence of God has enough reverence to know, I cannot see him right in his face. God is so big. He's so mighty. He's so amazing. He is so perfect. He is so pure that even in an angelic state, I cannot see. I'm not worthy of seeing eye to eye with God. The word of God says that, Isaiah says, they have another set of wings, the second set of wings, that hides its feet in the presence of God. Remember, in those days, to go into a holy place, you had to take off your shoes. You had to clean your feet. You couldn't go into a place that is holy and bring filth and dirt. Even the angels in the high place in the presence of God knew that these things could not be in the presence of him. They cried out, holy, 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 and the room shook. Everything. Could you imagine, God? Could you imagine that if we recognize the glory of God to the extent of who God is as the most worthy one, how it would expose our hearts for how far away we are? See, Isaiah's vision brought into view the ultimate holiness of God. And in turn, it revealed his sinful ways, and he became painfully aware of his uncleanliness and his undeservingness. Here we are, and we see this moment of guilt and shame being atoned. But here's the important part. From that moment on, he was set apart. From that moment, he was set apart, and the words of his mouth could only give worship. And the actions of his life could only serve. Could you imagine allowing ourselves to be fully used by God to realize exactly what it took, exactly what we need in order to be part of God's team. Because I think some of us, we understand there's a role we're supposed to play, but we're still on the sidelines. We're still on the sidelines, and we think we're ready for the big game. 
And we're saying things like, game on, bring it on. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord until the wind blow too hard. And we're like, I'm out. Because it takes something special and it does not necessarily reside in just you. Only your decision. Your decision to allow God to use you the way he wants to use you. And when we make that distinction, then we seek out on mornings like this to only care about being close to him. To get rid of all the things that separate us from him. All we care about is staying in close enough relationship with him that he makes us who he wants us to be. In Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 9 says the Lord, Then I will purify the lips of the people, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. How powerful would a church be if all of us decided we were going to be so close to God, so close that we would humble ourselves in his presence at all times, that we would not be worried about losing to man, that we wouldn't worry about being winning or losing an argument, that we wouldn't worry about our pride or our ego. We won't have to take on being somebody that we think we've defined for ourselves. We wouldn't have to do any of that because being in the presence of God to see his holiness would allow us to submit ourselves to him because that is the source of all things righteous. Could it be that our search for righteousness is incredibly difficult. But can I tell you, it is impossible for you to do it without God. Many of us have the best intentions. We have the right heart, and, we, and it's like we're on training wheels. And we get there, and we get in as soon as we up just a little bit. That's my hand on the back of the seat. Y'all been there? You did that on the bike when you ride a bike. The training wheels come off the bike. Somebody has to hold the seat. Man. But when you take the training wheels off and you're learning to ride the bike, somebody is holding the bike, and you know what? And you're talking good. I got it. I got it. I got it. Because you think they still hold on. And then when you realize the hand has come off the bike, you start panicking. Oh, why you let go? Why you let go? That's how our faith walk is. We do it with training wheels. We go to discover you. We make it through the journey study. And we say, I got it from here. And then here we start to veer and we start to move and we start to be pushed all over the place. Can I tell you this? God has a team. And what if I told you that everybody was eligible for that team? What if I told you that in order to play, he had to make you stand out? What if I told you that he was the one who would set you apart and give you a position? But what if I told you that your greatest competition for being on his team was you? See, we have to understand that sometimes we get in our own way. And we have to know 
We have to see Isaiah is giving us this imagery because he's saying, look, the glory of God was awesome. But when I started to realize my shortcomings, when I started to realize how far away from perfection I was, when I started to realize and honor God in a way that says I'm never worthy, I'm, I, I'm always in pursuit, I'm always trying to get closer. The second that I realized, I started to cower and feel like, oh, we, I'm not as righteous as I thought. I'm not as righteous as I thought. See, God is morally perfect. He's pure. He's set apart from sin. So when we recognize his holiness, oh man, when we recognize his holiness, we see how sinful we are and how far his grace and forgiveness had to go to extend to us. When you start to realize how far away you are, then you count now. To be in awe of God says, wait a second, wait a second. I, his grace had to extend so far to ever get to me. His love for me had to extend so far before it ever got to me. We start to realize, we start to see that in this game we call life, on this journey we call faith. In our pursuit of who he is, we start to realize first and foremost, he has to choose us and we have to accept his glory. We have to accept his worthiness and realize just how far apart we are. In today's game, you're going to see a quarterback by the name of Brock Purdy. He is the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. He has a very interesting story, but I want to set up this video that I'm going to share with you this way. In the NFL draft, he was the very last person to be picked. The very last person to be picked in the draft is titled Mr. Irrelevant affectionately. And this is because the chances of somebody being picked dead last in the draft is highly unlikely for them to make the team. They've gotten to the point now where Mr. Irrelevant is a thing, and when you come up on the stage, they have a jersey with the number 262, because that's the last pick of the draft, and instead of your name, it says Mr. Irrelevant. That is who this young man is. That is what his future in the NFL looked like. This is more about Brock Purdy. With State tweeted out, you've always been relevant to us. But more importantly, Purdy knows he's relevant to God. Last December, after his first win as the 49ers starting quarterback, Purdy said, for me, I believe in the Lord, and I trust in Him. I just go out there and I just play. On his Twitter profile, he writes, he is a believer in Christ, and he quotes Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. Here's what Purdy told Jason Romano on the Sports Spectrum podcast a year and a half ago before his role as San Francisco's exceptional starting quarterback. Living to a 
you know, be set apart. You know, it's, it's easy to, yes, repent of your sins and um, be about Jesus, but, you know, to know, Hey, I can't keep doing this. sin. you know, I've, I've acknowledged it. I got to move on, but um, to be on fire for the Lord and to walk with him, I think right now, man, I'm all about, Hey, I'm living set apart from the world. People can think this about me or whatever. That's fine. The, the bottom line is for me, my identity is in Jesus. Purdy went on to say he has a knowledge of the Spirit. He wants to give it to as many people as he can. He said it's not that he's better than anyone else. He's just called to witness and share God's Word. Right now, I think God's called Purdy as a witness for Christ on the football field. He's a true winner, not only for his talents on display before millions of NFL television viewers, but he's fearless in sharing his faith with the world. He's unashamed to tell all who will listen that his passion may be football, but his winning attitude comes from the confidence of knowing that he lives now and forever for Jesus Christ. In his words, he says, I'm on fire for Jesus, and I'm set apart from the world. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're trying to get you. That's what I'm standing before you today to challenge you to recognize that in order to be on God's team, there are some things that you have to do. You have to confess your sins, the ones that keep you separated from God. See, in our darkest places, we can, we can repent for, you know, the obvious ones. I shouldn't steal, I shouldn't lie, I shouldn't cheat. But we serve a God who wants all of us, so we have to learn to repent for the things, confess the things that separate us or keep us separated from God. How are you spending your time? Because if you're spending your time, more time doing something else and less time getting to know God, that's not what he wants from us. That's not how he's going to set you apart. You got to learn how to trade some things in. You got to learn how to speak out the things that get in the way of you and God. You got to ask for forgiveness. You got to, when you call them out, don't just throw them out there. Actually say, Lord, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, because those are the things that separate us. You got to exchange your aspirations for his. You got to be willing to say, wait a second. Lord, I have some goals, and there are some, some objectives that I want to meet. But I can't put them in front of you. And when you take that posture and that position, then you realize that the things that you want to achieve, he's going to help you do them anyway. Even greater than that. He can exceed what you want. He can do abundantly more than you could ask or even think. So when you realign what you want and trade it in for what he wants, you're going to get where you think you want to go anyway. But you've got to be cleansed and purified by the power of the sovereign Lord. One of my favorite songs is How Great Is Our God. One of my favorites. But there's this awkward moment in that song where the worship leader starts telling you, sing with him. Y'all know the song? It gets a little strange because you're trying to sing and they keep on telling you, sing with me. And you be thinking, I am singing. <laughs> 
But the interesting part of that song is it's not about great as a description for God. Because if you look at it as it's a description of God, then when you're going through something, it's hard for you to talk about how great something is when your life at that moment might not be that great. But what the song is really about is really opening yourself up to recognize and understand how large and in authority God is and how minute we are and how small our issues are if we would just give it to the vastness and the glory of God. So I encourage you today to seek God in his fullness, to recognize him in all of his glory so that you will learn to serve him the way he desires. So that we can experience in a room such as this, we can experience the room shaking because of his glory. The doorways rattling because of his glory and because we are crying out to the most high God that he is worthy and he is holy. We be, can you imagine that we are in a place that we can see this? That the glory of God takes over. And this is not just the party room because we call it that. We are experiencing God in all of his fullness. So I ask you today, what would it take for you to say, send me to do your work? Lord, you have prepared me. I am ready to go. Game on. What would it take for you to get to that place to want to experience God in that way? So that you are ready and equipped and prepared not to do what you want, but to do what he desires. I invite you at this time to just just come down to the altar. I want to invite you to just come down for prayer. If you're bold enough, if you are bold enough to just walk down, and if you don't want to, you don't have to. But I'm talking about if you are bold enough to just come down to this altar as we began to pray, and as we began to just glorify God, as we began to worship from right here in the front, are you willing to just declare that God is great? Are you willing to just think of the things that you are concerned about, the things that you have been stressed out about? Are you willing to just lay them at the feet of God today? Are you willing to just, to just join me up here so that we're close together, so that we can just sing out how great God is? Are you willing to just, whatever it is, to just lay it at the feet? How great is our God? How great is our God? I think, I think that as you stand before me, as we stand here together, how many of you believe in the power of prayer? Just raise your hand. I ask you right now to just take this second, take this moment to just pray over the people that are here with you. You don't have to know their names. I just take a run. Do a 360 and just look around. Look around you. Look around you. Look around you. You don't have to know their names. You don't have to know their business. You don't have to know their situation. You don't have to know what they woke up this morning and did. You don't have to know where they work. You don't have to know about their family life. I just want to encourage you right now to just pray for the person next to you. Begin to pray for the person next to you. If you made eye contact with somebody, great. If you did not, I encourage you right now in the name of Jesus to just pray. Pray for them. 
You can pray with them. You can pray for them. But lift your voice. Not for yourself, but for somebody else. Could you imagine living in such a clear purpose, such a spiritual joy, that the praises of our God would shake the walls of the church and fill the rooms, the rooms of our homes and the hallways of our schools? Could you imagine going into a place and the atmosphere just begins to shift? I pray for shifting atmospheres in the name of Jesus over every one of you whose hands are lifted. That wherever you go, the Spirit of the Lord will go with you. That when you go back into your home, the Spirit of the Lord will take over. When you go back to your place of work in the name of Jesus, that everything that tries to stand against you has no power and has no authority in the name of Jesus. I pray right now and I declare victory over you in the, in the name of Jesus that the atmosphere shall shift and the sound of praises of God will go forth and the rooms will shake that you go into when you call on the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is God Almighty. Holy, holy. Holy of God Almighty, holy, holy, holy of God Almighty, that the praises will go forth and the blessings will go down. And we will cry holy. And we will cry holy. And we will cry holy. For the earth will be full of his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is the name above all names. If you believe that, just sing out to the Lord. You are worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. And my heart will sing. How great. How great is our God. Yeah. Yeah. How great. Yeah. The name of our God. Bless the Lord. You are worthy of all praise. Hallelujah. Let my heart and my heart will sing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bless your name. Holy God, we come humbly in your presence. You have shown faithfulness and you have made yourself available for us to cling to. When we call unto you, you answer. When we are ex exhausted, you give us strength to go on. When we find ourselves without words to say, help us to see your glory and your greatness. And so we come before you offering you the worship of our hearts and the worship of our lives. Open our eyes to know you here. Open our ears to recognize your voice. And then send us out from here to live and to work in the world as your faithful disciples in Jesus name and I cry holy 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 Lord God almighty amen amen and amen again hallelujah hallelujah bless your name God yes God hallelujah if you want to go to your seat you can if you want to stay in worship, if you want to stay and pray, I am here. I want to encourage you, if you want to pray, why don't you pray with our teenagers? Can we have all our teenagers? 
All of our teenagers, come up here with Pastor Sarah. Come up here with Jess. Ben, where are you? Come up here and pray over our teenagers. Women, mothers, I want all mothers. If you are a mother, come up here. Penny, Wanda, come up here. I want you praying. If you are a mother, if you have children, I want you guys, Wanda, I want you to pray with them. Come on. Come on. If you are a mother, if you are a mother, you have children, I want a prayer circle right here. All of the mothers in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We are going to break some chains today in the name, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless your name, God. Come, on, come over there. I want you to go over there. Go circle up with all those mothers. All teenagers right here. All teenagers right here. You got somebody behind you. Yep, right here. Come on. All young people, let's go. Right here, you guys circle up. You guys pray together. Right there. Kid leaders, all the kid leaders, circle around them. I want you, if you have a child, come on, y'all, come on. Come on, I want I'm nobody by themselves. Nobody by themselves. Come on, y'all, I believe in the power of prayer. Come on over here, I want you over here. Everybody, circle up, pray, 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 come on. Nobody by themselves. Come on, Connor, you come with me. Come on, come on, it's okay. Go right up there. Come on, come on, come on, come on. This is how you break through. This is how you break through. You got to be willing. Come on. Right here. Come right here. I want you to pray with this group right here. Come on. Come on. It don't matter. You might not know their name. Oh, but we know the name of Jesus. You may not know their name, Elijah. Come on. You go up there. Right up there. Ryan, come here. Right here. Come on, right here. Mother, pray right there. Right there, come on, come on, right here. In this group, come on, come on, come on. This table, you guys pray together. This table, right here, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, pray together. You don't have to know their names, but you know Jesus. Hallelujah. And dominions, powers, and possessions, your name. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's message. We pray it moves you forward in your relationship with Jesus. If you are looking for a church home or in the area and want to visit, we are located at 1451 Black Road in Joliet, Illinois. You can also find and follow us by searching The Table Joliet online. We'd love to meet you and walk your faith journey with you. Thank you again, and we look forward to seeing you soon.